Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Good to see more of you guys coming, making it with us. Good. It's nice to be here together with you guys. A few things we want to announce. Um, This year, like the past, I don't know how many years, we are going to be putting together some gift bags for the police officers at the Upland Police Department. Uh, We do this every year uh, on 4th of July, where we take the bags in uh, on that day in between the shifts so we can kind of cover as many officers as possible. We do this in the name of Jesus, right? The things that we do, we don't just do it because, hey, we want to be good people. Of course, we want to be good people, but it's Christ who compels us to extend ourselves Uh, What we are doing is putting in the gift bags a gift certificate to a local restaurant so that the police can go to one of the local restaurants. We tell those local businesses, hey, we are going to be doing this because we want to support you. We are from Genesis, but really we are doing this in the name of Jesus. That's why we move in these directions. But if you would like to contribute towards these gift bags, you can do so in donating We have a number of ways that you can do the donations. We've shared this before. If you go to the website, thegenesisstory.com, you can give through Zelle. You can give through Venmo. You can just go on the website and go to the giving tab. Uh, All these areas are opportunities where you can give. And if you want to give directly towards this, just put on it 4th of July or for police. We'll know what it is, and that money will be used towards that. If not, it'll come from the general fund, and we're going to put these bags together. I forget how much they usually are. They're usually like $20, $30, I think, a bag. Uh, We put in like some hand sanitizer. Uh, We put in like a granola bar. Uh, I don't know. We've got a bunch of chapstick two right now from Avon, my wife just got. So we're going to put chapstick in there. Um, Whatever else we have that we can do again for the gift card for the business. Um, So those are things that we can do. And if we continue doing this, we hope to be a light to our community. And so that's something that we can continue to do. Also, Take Two is happening live here on Wednesday nights, and and I hope to change things a little bit more as more people start coming, where we have a little bit more participation with Take Two, and it's not just a dialogue between me and one other person. It was great. We had a few other people here last week and got to interact a little bit more, and so you're invited to join us here and contribute to that conversation. If you have questions about whatever I shared this morning, that is an opportunity to bring out those questions, because other people might have those same questions. 
questions. And so you bringing that up might allow the conversation to go in a direction that is needed, not just for yourself, but for someone else. And so I encourage you to come on down Wednesday night uh, to take two. Also, this summer, we are going to do a summer series where we are going to have two potlucks a month, two in July, two in August, and two in September. And we are going to be doing them the second and fourth week is what we are deciding of each of those months. We have, I think, four people who have offered their homes to do that. I think we've got July covered. Uh, I think Ben's going to do the second week in July, and Corrine and I are going to do the fourth week in July. But we need August and um, September. I know, Brian, you've offered your home, and I know, Mary, you've offered your home. Um, Oh, there you are. You moved. Um, So if anyone else would like to offer their home for the potluck, please let Ben know. Ben is around here somewhere. I think he's outside watching the TV, uh, making sure no one walks off with it. Uh, But if you would like to offer your home for one of those uh, weeks, let us know, and we're going to have more details coming up. But talk to Ben, and he'll get that information together because we, again, want to reconnect with one another, and this is just one of the ways that we can do that. So hopefully you'll participate in this summer series. Also, tonight at Lydia's home, she has her CD release party going on tonight. So talk to her if you want to go there and be a part of that. I contribute to that, so I can't make it today. I'm sorry. I feel bummed, but I was planning on it. I have a wedding thing I got to do. So anyway, those things are happening. This morning, I want to try and bring a conclusion to this transformation series that I've been doing. And as I lean into this, you know, it, it's when you are putting your time and thought into something and you want it to be effective. I want it to be something that hopefully helps us like it's helped me in understanding that this life in Christ is more than just the things that we think and more than just the things that we do, that it's encompassing all of who we are and wanting to try and convey that information. I always fear I'm going to fall short. And I trust that God will make up whatever lack I have as we lean into him for clarity and insight. And that's what I pray happens this morning. In fact, I want to pause and pray before we go any further, because my desire is that you will open your heart to receive from God the things that are necessary for you. Because I can only give you so much, and I don't know all of your life situations, but God does. And God can take where you are at and the things that are shared from me or from anyone and allow them to be purposeful in our lives. And it's my prayer that that would happen this morning. Let's pause and let's look to God in prayer. Father, we want to be still from the busyness of our lives, from the things that we have going on later this afternoon, later this week, from maybe the worries we have about work, family, health, all the things that are pressing in for our attention 
we want to silence and give room for you to speak into our lives. Speak in ways that will help us draw nearer to you and live closer to you. To live in an active relationship with the one who loves us and has given himself for us. Make a difference and allow this time to make a difference as we give you this time. And we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled this morning's talk, If You Love Me, Believe. We started off this whole series in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, where Jesus said, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This whole transformation series is really built on this verse, trying to understand or maybe re-understand what the idea of repentance is and to understand what believe is because this is such an important part of a life of faith. To believe something is to act as if it's true. And I think it's important that we understand that because otherwise believing becomes just a mental assent. Right? Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, this is how you will live. Right? And it wasn't this, if you love me, you better do this. It's that if you love me, this is going to be a part of your life because you are going to be living the life with the one who you love, and it is going to be affecting how you live. And it's so important that we understand that this is what takes place. Repent. This is who God is and who we are because of who God is. Remember, repent is an invitation to see the kingdom present. It's an invitation to see reality the way God sees it, how it really is, and believe this is how we respond to that reality. We change our understanding to see how things are, that the kingdom of God is near, is present, is breaking in, and we start living our lives in that reality. That's what we are trying to do. And believing is basically trust. And it's the required outward display of that trust. We often think of repentance as an outward activity and believing as an inward activity, right? We agree with something and we think that means we believe it. And that's part of the problem with belief is this language that we have where words can mean so many things. When Corrine and I were doing the remodel in our home, we got in so many arguments because of a misunderstanding of trying to describe what it is we want. You know, we want these cabinets. We want this tile. I want it to be a a little taller. 
taller. You want it to be higher? No, not higher. I, I just want it. You mean bigger? Yeah, I mean bigger. Well, why didn't you say bigger? I don't know. Taller means something else to me than this, right? No, I want it to be curved. Curved? Well, you know, I want it to move like, you mean angled? Well, yeah, angled, curved. You know, you have all these different words. And here we are just like getting frustrated because we're wanting to explain what it is we desire. But we have these different words that we're using. And I think that that happens with the word belief, the kind of belief that we're talking about. If we use the word belief as a synonym for think, we say things like, I believe the earth is round, or I believe that the Dodgers win the World Series again, right? That, that's something that is just, it doesn't demand my trust. It, it doesn't demand me to live into it. It's a fact that I ascend to, not a personal invitation to engage in. And so I don't have to trust these beliefs. Not in any meaningful way. They're just something I think. And if we're not careful, we can treat God like that. We ascend to facts about God. We, we call these beliefs and God becomes a kind of spiritual fact to us information that we just process. I believe Jesus died for my sins, or I believe that I'm saved. And they become words that we use, but not something that we are relationally engaged with, and we lose the power of the meaning. And the problem is that these kind of beliefs don't really require us to trust. They don't require us to lean into them. Instead, it develops a distorted idea about faith where faith is disconnected from our everyday lives, from our desires, our habits, and our relationships. Faith is over here, and the way we live is over here. The reason I married Corrine isn't because I believe she exists. Now, I do believe she exists, by the way. But the reason I married her is because I believe in her or I trust, I have faith in her and the commitment she has to this relationship. You see, it has more to do with me putting a confidence in her and the situation than it does just thinking about something. Faith goes far beyond belief in that it is focused not on a mental conviction, but on a willingness to act on that conviction. And so the, the challenge when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you believe in me, live like you believe in me. If you say you have faith, Let's see that faith. We have this kind of Christian magic. We treat beliefs as though they're just this magical powers. I believe, ching, there, everything's good, right? The, the truth is merely believing Jesus is Lord no more makes him Lord of my life than believing going to the gym makes me fit. If that was true, I'd be ripped right now, right? Because I believe that. Am I doing that? No. There's a difference then in how we determine belief. The belief itself is not a surrender. The important question is not what you believe, but how you choose to live 
moment by moment in that belief. And, and that's where transformation takes place, is getting from that place to this place, the place where what we say and what we do encompasses who we are. Remember at the very beginning, we were talking about the words, the things that we say, the doctrines and the works, the things that we do. These things seem to be like, oh yeah, here's what you believe now, just do these things. But what happens many times is we fail to be committed to these things with our lives. We just make them actions. And this is something that Jesus gave clear warning about. In Luke chapter 12, as Jesus had fed the multitude, he's talking with his disciples. And in verse one, he says, in the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Way to go, Jesus. Put the fear of God in us. Man, everything's gonna be known. What's he saying? He's saying, this might look pretty, but this is what is gonna be seen ultimately. It's not just living like you pretend these things are. The, the sin of the Pharisees, he says here, is hypocrisy. It's acting one way, but believing, living a different way. And this is one of his warnings. This is his challenge to us. Don't be like that. Don't have an image that isn't the source. Connect those dots with what it is you really believe to what it is you really do that shows up in how you really live. That's the only way it can happen. Who we really are really matters and God will only work with who we really are. He's not going to work with a facade. He's going to work with the genuine. If I say that I believe it's safe to fly but refuse to get on a plane, then you have to question if I really believe that. If I believe that Jesus is the one who I follow, but I don't love my neighbor as myself, there, there's a disconnect from what I'm saying. Now, this isn't to condemn you, right? This is so that we will repent we will see things the way God is seeing things and believe and start living in that way. That was the challenge by Jesus all along. Repent and believe. See things the way they are and live your life in accordance to how they are. The goal of our repentance is to hear the good news that deals with the bad news that we've been believing and living in. To hear the truth and to see where we're not aligned with it and to move our lives in alignment with it so that it starts to shape who we really are. 
Our life's actions are a response of the good news of who God is, that Jesus is our Lord, and who we are because of who God is. We are loved. We are not condemned. We are in his family. This is now the identity we have, and we get to walk and live in this identity. It's not about how we fix our problems, right? Undo our sin or repay those we've wronged. It is first a surrender to what God has said, and then within a concrete situation in our lives, acting an embodied demonstration of that, where it has to show up. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that this is about doing more or taking control. This is less about willpower, and it's more about willingness. This is less about striving and more about surrendering. It's less about fixing behavior and more about freedom and liberty. And if this does not feel like freedom, if what I'm sharing about believing does not feel like freedom to you, then maybe it's because you've had an unhealthy response to good news. Maybe there is this burden that you're bearing that isn't an invitation that God is giving. Our lives are rooted on this type of believing. It shows up in so many ways. It isn't about trusting a fact as much as it is trusting a person. And we need to move from a contractual agreement with God to a covenantial. Now, covenant isn't a word we use these days. Covenant was a word that was used back in biblical times. We use words like contracts, right? I've got a contract. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to buy a car. I'm going to have a service and I have a contract that makes sure that what they said they're going to do, they're going to do so that I am covered from this agreement, that they're not going to take advantage of me, that they're going to give me what I'm paying for, the services rendered for this amount of money. The contract is something that is binding legally. A covenant is different. A covenant is something that we lean into. It's not a protection from others, but a pledge to others. Right? A contract is for services rendered, but a covenant is for a trusting, reciprocal relationship. People enter into covenants because they trust one another. People enter into legally binding contracts because they don't. And so a covenant is when people would make an agreement with one another. We are going to trust each other. And it was something that went both ways. When God made a covenant with Abraham, he's saying, I am going to give myself to you and I want you to give yourself to me. It's not just you do this. It's I'm also going to be engaged with this. What an amazing thing that God would make a covenant with people. And that's exactly what we see happening here. God doesn't want you to bind up to this contract that you have to fulfill your part of the bargain. God says, I want a covenant with you. I want to extend myself to you and I want you to in turn extend yourself to me. 
We are not bound to something. We are bound to someone. And that makes all the difference. You guys know what it's like to want to do something and to have to do something. I want to go out and eat. I want to be with someone. Oh, I have to go to this kid's graduation who I don't really know, and it's out in the sun, and it's going to be two hours. That seems like a burden. I get to go see my grandson graduate. And even though it's out in the sun, even though it's going to be two hours, there's a desire because there's a relationship. See, this covenant with God is relational. It's moving towards us and wanting us to move in turn towards him. The good news is that in Jesus, we have a new covenant between God and humanity. Belief, faith is now a participation in this new loving covenant. Repent. If you haven't seen that this way, change how you see it and believe, live into it. Believing or doing is keeping covenant. It is surrendering to love. And see, that's where we're getting to, is to the do, but we can't shortcut it. We have to go the long way. We have to get to the heart. We have to get to the soul. And it's important because one of, I think, the most subtle temptations that we have is to exchange faith in Jesus with faith in faith. Exchange covenantal trust for contractual obligation. Faith in faith. When you have to tell people to believe in Jesus, what does that mean? I had a conversation Gosh, it was months ago, probably over, yeah, it's actually over a year ago, with someone who I really respect. And we were having a conversation, and he was telling me that, you know, you really need to tell people that they need to believe in Jesus. And I just pressed into the conversation. I said, well, what does that mean to you? And he said, well, it means that Jesus died for my sins. Jesus rose again from the dead. Jesus ascended into heaven. And I leaned in further. I said, well, what does that mean to you? And it took a little while, but it got to the point where believing had to mean more than thinking a certain way, right? When you're saying these things, what are you getting to? What's the heart of this? And if telling people to believe doesn't mean more than thinking, then it isn't transformational and it isn't believing in Jesus. If believing in Jesus doesn't transform my life, then The words of Jesus, if you love me, keep my commandments, don't mean anything. It's leaning into this to help us see that how we live is what we believe. And Jesus gave an illustration, a parable, parable about this in Matthew 21, starting at verse 28. He says, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first son and said, 
Go, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said to the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John the Baptist came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your minds and believe him. In other words, you did not act on what he said. They did. They responded by embracing what he said and allowing it to affect their lives. And Jesus is telling the religious leaders and his disciples that tax collectors, now tax collectors don't have a good image already, right? I mean, no, no one thinks, oh yeah, he's a tax collector. Oh, good. Um, but it was even worse at this time. These were basically thieves stealing from their people and giving it to Rome. They were overtaxing them and they knew it, but they could do nothing about it. These criminals and these prostitutes are getting into the kingdom of heaven before you because they have heard and have acted on the things that John said about me. They responded, you didn't. They heard and allowed change to take place. It's too easy to go back to the familiar way of thinking, to reduce belief into just a a mental exercise, to, to take terminology and to put on it some meaning that doesn't have effect, to to throw sentences out there, to ask things of people. Do you believe in Jesus? Someone says, yes, and that's it. That was the depth of the conversation. Instead of having a a life, I believe in Jesus because look at, it's helping me to be more honest at work. It is teaching me how to love my enemies. It's forcing me to die to myself and live for others. It is challenging me to become a different person. It is changing the core of who I am. You see, if that's what you mean by believe in Jesus, then amen, yes. Let's not reduce it to mean less. To slide back into a belief that is only mental assent and not divine invitation to participate, that is contractual and not covenantial. And I have to remember to do this. I have to make mental notes every time I say, I believe. Oh yeah, I believe in that. I, every time that word comes out of my mouth now, I have this little note that says, you know, this red flag that says, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? How do I see that you really believe that? Where is it showing up? Make a mental note every time you hear that word. What does that word mean? What's your response to that? And move the belief into response. Do isn't private, right? This 
action isn't something that just happens with me and God in my heart. It's an internal experience that's an embodied demonstration that shows up afterwards. The trust moves to the world and involves our relationships, our responsibilities, literally how we believe. We don't merely think our way into a new way of living. We have to live our way into a new way of thinking. And it's so easy to go back to the familiar. I had a client and I've been training their dog and their dog's been aggressive towards other dogs. And every time the dog would hear the doorbell, the dog would go ballistic, right? And we're working with the dog, changing the dynamic. And they, you know, I called them and and said, how's it going with your dog? And they said, okay, but he still goes off into this. When he hears the doorbell, he responds this way. And I go, yeah, he's got years of thinking that way. And it's so easy to go back. We're creating a new mentality. He responds real quickly when you correct him and he understands he can't do that. It's just taking time because that old way is so set in. And some of those old ways are so set in us. Oh, I hear these things. My mind goes there. I think I just check out and that's how I go there. We have to make a cognitive decision that we're going to hear these things and live in a way that makes us think different. We're going to put into practice that it will be so much a part of my life that this is how the word believe shows up now, that when someone says, do you believe this? I'll say, let me check my life and let me give you a report whether I do or not, because I could say all kinds of things. It's easy. I got all kinds of words. I could tell you whatever you want to hear, but am I really living it? Let me see. Let me take stock. What is that doing? That's repenting and believing. And that's good news. Jesus invited Peter to walk on water. The only way he could know if he believed or not was to step out of the boat. I want to do an exercise with you in closing this morning. I want you guys, if you have paper and a pencil, great, pull it out. If you don't, maybe take the note on your phone. And I want you to think about something that you would like to do or you sense God wants to do in your life. And usually when you say something like that, something comes to mind. Something jumps out. This is what God is wanting to do in my life or through my life. And I want you to write that down. And the first thing I want you to do is I want you to think, how does that make you feel? Whatever you just wrote down. Right? I want you to detect. This is the kairos. Did it make you feel excited? Yes, this is what I want to do. Did it make you feel anxious? Did you feel exhausted just thinking about what it is you might have to do? If that's the case, whatever that sense you had, that feeling has, I want you to dig Why do you feel like that? If it's anxiety or feeling overwhelmed, why are you feeling that way? I was talking with Ben before we got started. He was talking about this, how digging, he had to dig some stuff in his backyard and digging is hard work. That's why you hire people to dig, right? Because man, it's just hard work. Sometimes this is the hard part. Why are you feeling anxious? Why are you feeling excited? 
what's going on. If you're feeling anxious or overwhelmed, you're probably believing a lie somewhere in this narrative. In other words, if God is wanting to do something in and through you and it's exhausting you, you're probably believing in more of a contractual way than a covenantial way. You may be fulfilling that contract rather than living into the relationship. And then maybe we need to declare what is the truth about God and you in this situation that you need to understand. And so we've detected what it is. We're digging into why we feel this way, understanding what the bad news may be, the lie that we're believing. And we're gonna tell ourselves the good news that God is pulling us in to this truth of who he is. And now here's the exercise. From what you know and understand about Jesus, I want you to write yourself a short note as if you were Jesus writing to you about this situation. And I want you to take the time and do that right now. And while you're doing that, Randy's gonna come up and give you some background music, a little song here, so that you can actually think about this in process. I want you to put this down. And I want you to put this into practice more than just this morning. Maybe there are other times when you can also put this into play. Remember, from what you know and understand about God and Jesus, write down a note to yourself from Jesus. A couple of sentences regarding this. I hope you guys will take what you've written and maybe even share it with one another. And I hope this can be an exercise that you put into practice in your life in other areas where you are detecting that God is calling you to believe. I want to share with you just some of the things that I went through as I put this down because I had to go through it myself. Remember, the first truth that we proclaim is always the truth to ourselves. And so the question, what do I believe that God is speaking to me what do I sense is that I, I believe that God wants to do and I want to do more in Genesis. How did that make me feel? It made me feel anxious and exhausted. Then I had to think about that. Why am I feeling anxious and exhausted? And I had to do a little digging in that way to understand that there was a a disconnect in my life from what God is doing. I, I was going to someone else's kid's graduation instead of my kid's graduation. You know what I mean? There was a contractual understanding instead of a, conven- a covenantial one in my life. Now that's repenting for me. That's understanding things, seeing things differently. And then the invitation is to believe. And this is what I wrote down that I believe God was speaking to me. He says, Sam, I don't want you to do more. I want you to be more alive. You do not succeed or fail with me because of your actions. You already have my heart and all I really want is yours. 
Remember your family vacation when you would jump off the roof of the boathouse into the river? You were excited, a little afraid, and full of life. That is and has always been my invitation. Take my hand. Let's jump. That, to me, was an invitation that produced in me an excitement to want to step into a living relationship to do more, not because I had to, because I'm getting to with the one who loves me and the one I love. And I, I, I now need to put this into concrete ways. I, I need to move in this so that it becomes substantial and not just ethereal. So that it's not just something I thought, oh, that's a nice idea. I want it to be a reality in my life. And, and I do this with my relationship with my wife, and I do this with my areas of work, and I do this with my relationships with my friends. I have to have these conversations because I want to repent and believe because this is life, guys. This is transformational. This makes the difference. This gets me off the floor and gets my life back on its feet. This is how I start living in relationship with you and with Jesus. I can't go through the motions. I won't go through the motions without the life behind it. And it's never been easy, but it's always been worth it. And it's exciting and it's a little scary because that's kind of how life is. journey with us into what God wants to do through us. Let's pray. Father, we hear your invitation and we want to lean into this, Lord. We want to lean into this covenant relationship with you. Lord, we don't want to just Think about you. Think about what's true. Think about good things. We want to live into them. And I pray that your spirit will speak into our lives and that we will respond. And that these things that we believe will show up in the things we do. And we will take steps to make this a reality so that people can see we're not afraid to fly. We're not afraid to jump off the boathouse into the river. We are not afraid to believe in our God who is good and does good things. It is in your name, Jesus, that we move. It is in your name that we live. May you empower us to be witnesses because we believe. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you guys will share with each other maybe some of the things that you wrote down. Maybe it's just for you. If that's the case, that's fine. But challenge yourself now 
What's the next step? Hear the good news that God is speaking to you. Repent, believe, and do with the Lord. God bless you guys. Randy's going to close us in one last song. Take care. Have a great day. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.